And as I was studying again this week, digging into the word and digging into what Matthew has written to tell us about Jesus, it was confirmed to me again. He's showing us again that Jesus is this king. And take just a moment and, if, and look in your uh, bulletins. There's a, there's a white sheet that has um, a passage of scripture on it. Or if you want to look in your Bibles, open them up to chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. So, I'll give you a chance to turn there. But, uh, so, Matthew writes that when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake, uh, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Now, I don't know. Do any of you recognize that, that passage or where that comes from? Matthew gives us a hint. It says it's to fulfill the words that the prophet Isaiah spoke. That actually comes from Isaiah chapter 9. The chapters leading up to it, Isaiah has been speaking about gloom, about the coming uh, of the Assyrian army from the north and how God's people were going to be taken into exile. And then he says this. He says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Because you have enlarged the nation. You have increased their joy. Like people at the harvest. Like men when they're dividing the plunder. Just as, you, as in, the, for in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that oppresses them. The bar across their shoulders. The rod of their oppressor. Every boot that was used in battle, every garment that's been rolled in blood will be, will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child has been born, a son has been given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting God, Mighty Counselor, Prince of Peace. It's amazing to think of this. And the, the increase of his government and of his peace will know no end. And he will reign, get this, listen to this part, he will reign on the throne of David. He will rule over his kingdom. He will establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness for men and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Matthew wants us to hear not just the part that he wrote in his gospel, to remember the whole, that whole passage. That Jesus is God's great king. And he's come here, he's moved back to the area of Galilee to begin his ministry in a new way. To show us again that he is God's king. Now this means that Jesus is our savior. It means that he is God's servant who will faithfully do what God has called him to do. Faithfully save the, save the people of God, but also bring all the nations into God's salvation. He's God's son. But Matthew also wants us to see that he's God's great king. He's God's anointed Messiah. The Messiah whom God has sent. So this is just to kind of to, to briefly in a small package, talk about what we've been talking about for the last few weeks, that Jesus is God's great king. Even this morning, even in this passage, it's, it's pretty clear that Matthew is trying to show us 
that Jesus is God's Savior, His Messiah, the great King who has come. Well, we talked about the Son last week and we started asking, okay, so if Jesus is this great King, what sort of King is He? As we walked through Jesus, as we walked alongside Jesus, as He was tempted in the desert by Satan. And we saw the sort of King that Jesus is. A faithful King. A humble King. The sort of King who will sacrifice Himself for the rest of God's people. In fact, for all of creation. So we saw what kind of King He is. This morning, I want us to ask this question, or begin asking this question. If Jesus is the king, what kind of kingdom is he bringing? What kind of kingdom is he establishing here on earth? Now, it's right for us to ask this. I mean, is this just a spiritual kingdom? Is it just spiritual? Is it only uh, in heaven? The only time we ever get a glimpse of it is when we die and go to be with Christ. Or, and I think this is Matthew's point, Is the kingdom tangible? Has God's kingdom broken into our history, into human history? Is God's kingdom here, affecting whole people and whole communities? It's a pretty good question when you start to think about it. I mean, we are here because we want to follow Jesus. And part of that is being a part of His kingdom. Like, we desire to be a part of His kingdom. But it's interesting for us to ask... What does this kingdom look like? Well, Jesus, when he was, after uh, he'd gone back to Galilee, it says, Matthew tells us that from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. That was what the things that Jesus was going around talking. That was what he was going around proclaiming or preaching. Very similar to what John proclaimed. Repent, because the kingdom of God is near. Well, let's take a minute and let's talk about what Jesus is preaching here. The first thing that he says is repent. What do you think of when you hear the word repent? Go ahead. <laughs> Change? Interesting. That, man, maybe you, don't, maybe you should be up here preaching this. But What other things do you think of? I'm sorry? Quit saying. Good change. Forgiveness. Sorrow. Freedom. Freedom. Acknowledge. Acknowledge, yeah. It's interesting because I when I looked it up in the dictionary, repent, and I think a lot of Christians, when they think of repent, they think of of sorrow and remorse. Thankfully, some of you guys are talking about change because we'll get to that in a moment, but but oftentimes people think of Repent, they think of sorrow and remorse. And it's right. We should feel sorrow and remorse. We should regret the times when we go against God. When, when Anne was asking Bella, or I was asking the kids, what, what is sin? And Bella says, she goes, when we, when we do things against God. When we do bad things against God. It's right that we should feel bad for that. It's right that we should feel sorry for that. That we should feel remorse. I don't want to say that. I don't want to say that we should, that's not part of it. It is. Repent. Part of repenting is is feeling uh, sorry, regretting what we've done, and asking God for forgiveness. That's a huge part of it. But the interesting thing is that's only half of repentance. Okay. What was this? Renown. Renown. Yeah. What were you saying, Trina? 
Right? Yeah. Okay. But receiving God's forgiveness, or sorry, 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 or feeling sorry is only the first part of it. Now, I'm not going to get into the Hebrew and the Greek unless you want to. No? Okay. <laughs> but in the biblical sense, repent also includes a change, kind of like you were talking about, Gene. In one sense, it's a change of mind or a change in the way you think. In another sense, it's also this change of direction. See, to, for, let me, if I can act this out for you. In the biblical sense, repentance is walking one way, walking in the way of the world. Repentance is to turn around and follow God. That's a, a, a picture of the biblical idea of repentance. You see, in the scriptures, when Jesus says, repent, for the kingdom of God is near, he's talking about more than just a feeling. He's saying, if all we did was, was feel sorry, Jesus would say, it's more than that. It's bigger than that. It's more than just feeling sorry. That's a great place to begin. That's an important place to begin. But it's bigger than that. It's about turning around and following him. Repentance is asking God, Lord, forgive me for the things that I've done, and then turning around and following him. Now, it's interesting because Matthew gives us an example of this, of, of this repentance. If you will look with me at your sheet here, from verse 18, it says, Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake. For they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once, at once they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called to them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. These are pictures of repentance. These guys are busy doing their work, working on their nets, working with their father. Jesus says, follow me. And they turn around and they follow him. This is this picture of doing their one thing, and then Jesus says, follow me, and they turn around and they follow him. Both Simon and Andrew drop their nets, and they begin following Jesus. Then James and John, not only do they leave their, their boat, they also leave their father, their family business. They turn around and they follow Jesus. These are pictures of repentance. Repentance is this part of, of asking God, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for what I've done. And then turning around and following Him. Following Him with our whole life. Are you seeing this picture of repentance here? This is part of asking God, forgive me, and then following Him. Well, Jesus doesn't just say repent. He says repent for the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is near us. Jesus has brought it because he is the great king. And where the king is, there's the kingdom. Now, it's interesting to think about this, that Jesus' gospel, at least in one sense, Jesus' gospel was that the kingdom has come. That's the good news. The good news is that the kingdom has come. God's kingdom has come, has invaded earth. Now I know we think of, oftentimes we think of the gospel as that I've been saved from my sin. And that's true. That's central to, to the whole idea that the God's kingdom has come. But it's a part of this larger reality that the kingdom has come. This good news. 
is central to Jesus. When he was talking about the gospel, he was also talking about God's kingdom has come. I was looking this up, and I was looking at Matthew's gospel, and he says the word gospel five times in his story about Jesus, which we call a gospel. But he says gospel five times. Two times, he just says the gospel. Three of those times, the other three times, he says the gospel of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom. See, this is part of the good news that Jesus has come and he has redeemed us and made us right with our Father in heaven. He has saved us. But also, the good news is also bigger than that, that God has brought his kingdom. That God has sent his Son, his Messiah, his great king, to establish his great kingdom on earth. So some of you may be wondering, okay, so I'm, I'm getting an understanding. I'm starting to see what you're talking about, Jason. God has brought his kingdom, but what does this kingdom look like? What sort of kingdom are we talking about? Well, let's look at this passage again. Look at the, the last section there. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed. And he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. This is an image, again, Matthew showing us what the kingdom looks like. Now, this isn't all the kingdom. The the kingdom is also bigger than this. But an important part of it is healing. It's about God bringing healing to people. We see a glimpse here of what it looks like. There's a glimpse of the kingdom. So we've been talking about, okay, Jesus, we see that you're the king. And we've asked this question, what sort of kingdom have you brought? Well, we're catching a glimpse here. It's a kingdom of repentance, of people saying, Lord, forgive me. I don't want to keep stacking up garbage. I don't want to carry this garbage anymore. Forgive me, and we turn around and we follow Jesus. But this kingdom also has this this idea that God's kingdom has come, and it affects whole people, saving our soul, but also our heart and our mind. All of us, saving whole people and whole communities. Restoring us to a right relationship with God. Jesus, the gospel is big. Repent, turn around and follow me and be a part of this kingdom that's about, that's about saving whole people. It's about restoring whole people and whole communities. Is that everybody's with me? He's tracking with that? Some of you might be going, okay, Jason, I, I see what we're saying here. Jesus is king. We've caught a glimpse of what his kingdom looks like, even just a glimpse. How does this work out in my life? How do I respond to this? Well, the first answer is this. Repent. Repent in the biblical sense of, please forgive me. Lord God, please forgive me. I don't want to carry the garbage around anymore. Forgive me. And I want to follow you. Now, for some of us, this prayer, this prayer or prayer like this is familiar. For those of you who have been following Jesus a long time, we say this a lot. 
Lord, forgive me. Help me to follow you. Say it again, even this morning. And that's amazing news when you think about it. When we realize that we can just come to our Father in Heaven, when we can, when we can pray, Lord, please forgive me, and we are forgiven, do you realize how amazing that is? That we don't have to do anything to earn our place with God. It's not like we have to go and fix all the stuff that we've messed up over the last week or the last ten years. We can just say, Lord, please forgive me and turn around and begin following Him. That is amazing news. That is gospel. Now, some of you maybe have have done this many times and maybe this morning is just another one of those times when you're praying, Lord, forgive me, and you turn around and follow Him. That's amazing. That's great. Maybe for some of you, this might be the first time. Maybe some of you are in this special spot where this is the first time when you find yourself saying, Lord, please forgive me. Jesus, I don't want to carry garbage around anymore. Help me to follow you. I don't want to keep walking this life or living this life that's, that's dragging me down, that's wearing me out, that's killing me. I don't want to do this anymore. Lord, help me turn and follow you. If you're in that place this morning, what an amazing place to be. So this is where we begin. All of us, whether we've been following Jesus for years or this is the moment when you really begin following Him. This is where we all begin at repentance. Lord, forgive me and turning to follow Him. But then we start following Jesus. We start following Him. And on verse 23, it tells us kind of what that looks like. That Jesus went around and He went teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Now, all of those parts are important. The going out or going around. The teaching in synagogues. The preaching and the healing. But this morning, we're going to focus on the place that Matthew is focusing. It's on the healing. Matthew talks a lot about Jesus' healing throughout his gospel. Now, some of you, we start talking about healing and and people start to feel it's a little bit awkward. You know, some of you have amazing stories where you've been a part of God's healing in someone's life, where you've been praying for someone and you've seen them healed. Or maybe God has worked for you specifically and you prayed with them and they were healed right then and there. Some of you have amazing stories, amazing experiences with healing. Some of you maybe have some horror stories where someone has come to pray with you for healing and they end up just making you feel bad like it's your fault that you don't get healed. Healing can be a mixed bag for people. Some people, it's a blessing. For some people, it's been some hard stories in their life. But I believe that God desires to heal through you. I guess I believe that God desires to bring healing to our lives and to people in our community. When I talk about healing, I'm talking about healing in the broadest sense. I'm talking about physical healing, like people who have, have bones that are broken or backs that are out. I'm talking about that, but I'm also talking about healing in a broader sense too. Healing for people who struggle with depression. Healing for people whose marriage is falling apart or their family is falling apart. I'm talking about healing in its broadest sense. 
I believe that God desires to bring healing to our community here. And he wants to do it through you. God wants to bring healing to our community. He wants to do it through you. He wants to heal people's souls and their bodies. He wants to heal people's hearts and minds. He wants to heal marriages and families. He wants to heal whole people and this whole community and communities around us. God desires to bring healing. That's part of His kingdom. And He wants to use you to do it. Maybe some of you are thinking, not me, Jason. (laughs) God, trust me, He's not using me to bring healing. I beg to differ. You know, some of you, I believe some of you have this gift of healing. When Paul, when he's talking to the church in Corinth, he says some people have a gift of healing. They pray for people and their bodies are healed. Or they pray for people and their hearts are healed. Or these people, or some of you pray for people and their, their relationships are healed. I believe God desires all of you to be a part of this healing. But part of it is just trusting Him. I know some of you think, oh, it's not me. But I'm encouraging you to trust Him. To begin praying for people. God will use you to bring healing in people's lives. Some of you, it's just the gift of being present with people. I think about going to visit people in, in hospital. Sometimes I go to people and to visit them and I'm the only person that they've seen in a week. The only visitor who's come. And I pray with them and I pray for God's healing. But I believe just being there with them is God bringing healing in their lives. I mean, raise your hand if you think you can just show up in someone's life. I'm serious. Raise your hand if you think you can just be there for someone's life. Right. That brings healing. We desire to see people's lives. I believe that God desires to use you to bring healing in people's lives. Healing in our community. So we've been talking about what this means for us. It begins with repentance. Lord, forgive me. I want to turn around and follow you. And then following where Jesus leads. And one of his examples for us is healing people. Now this can be a lot to chew on. There's going to be a lot to think about. And so I want to encourage you to do just one thing this week. Just one thing. Bring healing to someone this week. Now, some of you are probably freaked out right now. How do I do that? Let me just say three things. And I would say just simple steps. Watch, pray, and follow God's lead. When I say watch, what I mean is pay attention to people. We are so busy that we fail to pay attention to people. We miss signs that something is wrong in people's lives. We miss that person who's walking with a limp because their back is out, because their knee is bothering them. Or we get so busy that we miss that our friend isn't wearing his wedding ring anymore. And we miss that opportunity because we're so busy. The first thing is watch. Just be present in people's lives. Pay attention to what's going on. Watch. Second thing is pray. So far, you guys can handle this, right? Watch and pray. (laughs) 
We can do this. But pray for people. When you notice a friend or someone or a stranger who needs help, pray with them. Go and ask them, can I, I see that you're, you're limping. Can I pray for you? Now, it's only in the rarest occasions will someone say, uh, no thanks. Nine times out of ten, 99 times out of 100, people say, please, I, I would love that. And we pray for them. And even if they say, ah, no thanks, I don't want any of that, well, you can just pray silently for them. But it's great when we can pray with people right there. Because then when they are healed, they will know who to give credit to, to give credit to God. They'll know that God is the one who has done this. So pray for people. Pray for people who are struggling in depression or mental illness. Pray for people who are struggling with brokenness in their relationship. Maybe their marriage is falling apart or they're falling apart in their family. Pray for them for healing. Or maybe it's their back or their leg or their knee. Pray for God. Pray, for, or pray that God would help them, that God would use you to be a blessing in their lives, to bring healing to their lives. Just pray. And then the final step is follow, follow God's leading. Whatever that looks like. Maybe an example is that friend you have who you notice that they're not wearing their wedding ring anymore. So you, you take time and you notice it and then you say, can I pray with you? And you pray for healing in their relationship with, with his wife. And then you sense God's spirit moving in you and you honor that and you say, you know, can we get together this week? Can we get together for lunch or for coffee? And you just follow God's lead in that. And you get that opportunity to, to, to share a meal together, to encourage them, to pray with them again, to talk with them about faith and how Christ helps us to love our spouse as well. You get an opportunity. Follow Christ's lead. Follow God's lead in this. You guys can do this. None of this so far is beyond you. I know that you can do this. Watch. Be observant. Watch people. And then pray. Just pray with them. And then follow God's lead, however He's leading you. Imagine what this begins to look like in our community as we, this week, go out and bring healing to people. Imagine what this begins to look like when people's lives begin to change. When people are healed in heart, mind, soul, and strength. Imagine how open they become to who Jesus is. I can tell you, it takes even the most skeptical people begin to open up when they realize that they are healed and they can't explain why. That God has healed them. It begins to open them up to the gospel, to the good news of who Jesus is. I get excited when I think about you going out and bringing healing in our community this week. Whether it's Six Mile or Long Beach, whether it's Harrop or Proctor, Balfour or Queens Bay, Mirror Lake or Caslow. I think about you bringing healing to people in our community and I get excited about it because I see the kingdom of God in that. I see examples. I see glimpses of the kingdom of God in that. I see people receiving healing and beginning to understand that this is connected with God, that, that God is the one who is healing me. 
And they begin to repent. Lord, forgive me. They begin to say the words, Lord, forgive me. And turn around and start following Jesus. That's amazing news. I get excited when I think of that. So this week, I want you to go out and to bring healing to someone. Just one thing. If Jesus is this great king that we've seen, and we've caught a glimpse of what his kingdom looks like today, then go out and bring healing to other people. Bring healing to just one person this week. Watch. Pray. And follow Jesus' lead. Amen.